mindfulness mode. Have it be almost an automatic reaction with your mind and your body. Hey, Mindful Tribe, welcome to the show today. I have a marketing expert with us today, and he spends his time helping clients get more leads, customers, sales, and profits, and he wouldn't be nearly as good at his job if it weren't for his lifelong study of psychology and meditation practice. And so I'm really looking forward to talking to Roy Fur today. Roy, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am in mindfulness mode today. I... I, I work to be in mindfulness mode every day. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, well, it's really interesting to talk to you because it sounds like you've had a lot of successes when it comes to marketing and you've worked mindfulness right in with that. So what does mindfulness mean to you, Roy? It's the ability to pay attention to your mind and how it is working in the moment, right? Uh, so that's what that's what we practice when we practice mindfulness is we pay attention to what our mind is doing in the moment. And uh, one of the struggles is accepting how our minds work oftentimes, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but when it comes down to it, I mean, that's, that's what we practice. And then on a daily basis, hopefully it becomes a part of our automatic functioning. Well, I'd like to take you back to 2001, and I know that you had an event happen that really was pivotal in where you went with your life on Christmas Eve. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So if we go back to 2001, I was in college. It was my sophomore year, and I, um, well, at the time, like I was, I was probably like a lot of kind of rebellious teenagers, whatever, but, but I wasn't really focused on mindfulness and I had no real direction in life and all of that. And I'm actually going to park at my parents' church for their Christmas Eve church service. Mm -hmm. And there had just been a big snowstorm. There were like piles of snow on other, either side of the street, uh, icy, all that stuff. Right. And I remember it was a, I had a flashing red light to cross it's called Sorensen Expressway in Omaha. Mm -hmm. And it's it's like four lane, you know, two lanes each way. Um, flashing red light to cross to go park across the way. And I go across and next thing I know, I'm kind of becoming conscious again. And there's like ambulances and all of that. And what had happened is a Ford F-150 had hit my little Mercury Tracer station wagon, um, you know, T-boned it in the mm -hmm. intersection and apparently i was conscious the whole time but i don't really remember it and they'd hit right behind the driver's door my girlfriend at the time was in the car with me she was fine um i probably had a con concussion um you know hit my head on the window whatever car was absolutely totaled if it had been maybe a second difference that that truck would have hit the driver's door and i would have been in some big trouble, yeah. right? Um, but I find a lot of people who get into mindfulness have some kind of experience like that, some kind of yeah. brush with death, some kind of like reckoning. And it doesn't have to be brush with death, but like some kind of reckoning where there's a pursuit of meaning. And I went from being kind of directionless. I was enrolled as like a marketing business major, which is kind of funny that I came back around to it. Yeah. 
but I decided I was going to become a psychology major. And I got fascinated with transpersonal psychology, like the psychology, uh, positive psychology, the psychology of human achievement and the wisdom traditions and the study of meditation and all of that. And my, uh, for the next three years or so, I pursued psychology rather than business. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's what totally turned me on to all of this, um, all of this this mindfulness stuff which now then i got i i came back around and i discovered well so in college the whole marketing thing was marketing within the context of a big business and i knew that that didn't appeal to me but i didn't have any better major to sign up for so i had done it and i came back around and discovered that they're entrepreneurs and so that's who i've worked with since 2005 or so i've worked with with very entrepreneurial marketers and um and, and and it was a fit where instead of feeling like a big cog in the machine right i was able to be more present i was able to be more myself in the context of all the entrepreneurial marketing stuff um but yeah going back it was it, there's there's that car accident that that kind of sent me off on this this like quest for meaning and knowing myself and knowing you know yeah. place in the world right it's really interesting that you then came back around again and you got into marketing and then in, in 2017 you wrote a couple of books about marketing have you written any books since then i haven't written books so my latest book came out in in 2017 which was um the ultimate selling story mm -hmm. um prior to that in 2004 I published the Copywriter's Guide to Getting Paid, uh, okay. which is specific to people who do what I uh, what I do. I don't have any uh, any new books in the works. I well, I, I have a million ideas for books, but uh, <laughs> um, I, I don't have I haven't published anything since then. I I'm publishing daily content through uh, my podcast and YouTube channel as well as uh, through. Uh, my members area, I do quite a bit of, of training for my people uh, there. So I have an entire training training library on marketing that I that I do. That's and how do we find you on YouTube, Roy? Well, it's uh, it's Roy Fur on YouTube, and so that's R O Y F U R R. And you'll know it's me when you see all the marketing videos and the copywriting videos and, and this wonderful background. And um, <laughs> um, yes. Um, oh, go on. Yeah. So what lights you up now? Like, are you still just as excited about marketing as you ever have been? So there's a lot going on with marketing right now. And um, there's a lot going on with me relative to marketing right now. I got into marketing because I was a writer and I discovered this, like there's this path of these people who got paid to write for businesses. But then I got excited about the whole entrepreneurial marketing thing. And um, the the whole writer thing is really important right now because there's, there's a lot of fear actually in, yes. in the marketing writing space because of AI and yeah. chat gpt and all that stuff right. and um what like what people are grappling with is this idea that the writing part of marketing is going to be replaced and um i think there's kind of a yes and no thing you know, to that because a lot of like really simple articles can now be written by ai as as good as 
you know, maybe 80% of the people who were writing really simple articles before. But what AI really can't seem to do and who knows how long it's going to take is like something that feels like a real human connection, mm-hmm. right? Um, which I think is is part of how my marketing has stood out is it feels like a human who is being thoughtful about, about things, who's connecting with the audience, who understands the audience. And that's where mindfulness really comes in that, I mean, you get to know yourself, right? Through mindfulness, through meditation, um, you get to recognize who you are and then you recognize the ways that we are the same, you know, Mm -hmm. how we're all going through the same human experience and we're all having like these emotions that we want to stuff down and um, that we have to reckon with if we don't want to get stuck in our life and, um, you know, the challenges of life and all of that. And being able to communicate on that level um, is something that you know, that's, that's always excited me about the the writing part of marketing, but, but what lights me up about marketing today is like, I've transitioned out of that writing role into, um, a, a CMO, like a leadership role. Mm-hmm. And how can I help businesses solve their marketing problems, which is a higher level perspective. And it, um, it requires a lot more strategic thinking. And, um, so like I, if I'm talking to a business, it's not just, can I write a page for you? Right. It's, it's, um, okay. The challenge that you're facing is you do these trainings that start every month or every couple months or whatever. How do we get, how do we find the students who would be a great fit for it? How do we get them excited about what you're doing? How do we get them to enroll in what you're doing? You know, what, what is the marketing process? What's the sales process? And then because it's the leadership role, how do we actually take all of these ideas that we have for what needs to happen and translate that into action? Because, um, you know, I, I think that a lot of people in mindfulness very quickly discover like we can have, especially if you're like me and I have ADHD inattentive um, subtype, I can have the best intentions for what I want to do, right? And then I can just watch myself as I don't do those things, right? Mm-hmm. So as in the leadership role, how you help the team make sure that they're doing the things that need to happen in order to achieve the bigger goals. Um and that's a lot of that's that's a lot of what is exciting me today is like not just how to do the marketing, but how to make sure the entire marketing operation gets done. Now, what does your meditation practice look like, Roy? <laughs> well, with with ADHD, it changes a lot. I find so there's this this great description of ADHD um, that that to me resonated the most um, of anything that I've heard so far, like it's not really um, attention. It's, it's, it's what, what motivates us to pay attention to things. Right. And so a neurotypical nervous system is an importance based nervous system. And so without ADHD, you say, is this important? Okay. I better pay attention to it with ADHD is it's an interest based nervous system. So Mm -hmm. um, does this interest me? Right. And my my meditation practice is definitely what interests me today. So I am very consistent with meditation. I made it I made it part of my uh, it's it's actually about twenty one hundred days ago because I use Insight Timer, the app 
and I, oh, yeah. I, I keep up the streak, right? Um, about 2,100 days ago, I said, I'm going to do something every morning for meditation. Um, and um, so some days it's, I listen to music and journal, like I listen to kind of meditation type music. In fact, I even have one track published on Insight Timer that's, that's um, kind of a, a rhythmic meditation track that I listen to quite often. Some days it's a guided meditation, like uh, if I feel like I'm dealing with something particularly difficult or I've noticed myself going through some challenges or I just want like a more positive start to the day. Sometimes it's more affirmations. Sometimes I do breath work. Uh, there's an excellent book by James Nestor about it's called Breath. Yes. Um, and it's about it's about breathing and breathing practices. Um yeah, I mean, it, it is it is interest based. The one thing that I've tried to do is be as consistent as possible. I find that for me, like journaling is one of the most powerful things because there is, you know, you can sit and kind of watch your thoughts on on a regular basis. But um, externalizing your thoughts in writing, it it does the same thing, but with like on on turbo or something like that for me right like like it it forces you to kind of uh confront the 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 thoughts that you're having and not just confront them but like when you look at them on the page especially if if it's removed by time versus being kind of in that stream of thoughts right it allows you to say okay yeah that's that's that thought is clearly a cognitive distortion. Like I'm a ter terrible person and um, I'm, I'm not capable of, you know, like, like self-doubt is such a, such a common thing. Right. Yeah. Um, like um, I'm, I, I don't even know why I'm trying to be a CMO. Like I, I don't know what value I'm bringing to these people. Uh, I'm, I'm charging actually rather large fees. Like it, is it even going to be worth it to them? And like all of those thoughts of self-doubt that go through your mind, you externalize it and then you can start to like look at it and say, well, I had that success with that client. I had that success with that client. I really like, I'm probably undercharging, even though it feels like a lot um, because I, I am consistently able to provide so much value, mm -hmm. but the cognitive distortions, like it's easy to just get stuck in the cognitive distortions unless you learn to pay attention to them and even better to externalize them. Yeah. Roy, how do you stay fit when you spend so much time helping people online and that kind of thing? How do I stay fit? Yeah. Um, yeah. I prioritize it. I mean, it's uh, so the funny thing is like my meditation practice started like, I don't know, I think it was like somewhere between 30 and 90 days after I did something really simple. I was... I was overweight. I wasn't paying great attention to my health and my my diet, especially. Mm -hmm. um, and kind of got to a point where I said, "Okay, I need to I need to be intentional about this." Um, and initially, that was losing weight. I've actually gained a lot of weight since then, but it's because of work in the gym. Um, but but um, I I made one decision. And, and it's like one of those atomic habits, right? Mm -hmm. Every morning when I wake up, I'm going to go to the bathroom in the basement because that's where we have the one scale in the house. I'm going to go to the bathroom in the basement and I'm going to weigh myself. Mm -hmm. Like first thing that I do when I wait, actually I make coffee first and I take it downstairs because my office is also downstairs. Right. Um, but I'm going to weigh myself and I'm going to put that number into a spreadsheet and the time. 
Um, and um, I, so I didn't even say like, I'm going to lose weight. I just said, I'm going to weigh myself. Mm -hmm. And then I started making decisions because I was aware of it relative to that. And like, I, I lost a lot of weight really quick. And then I decided that I was underweight for what I wanted to be. And it wasn't, it wasn't a healthy thing. Right. Um, and I want to lift weights and I want to spend time in the gym. And so I've gained a lot of weight since then, but it was about becoming intentional about my body composition and then making diet decisions, choosing healthier food. When I was just paying attention to what's going on in the scale, like I had a lot of pizza in the last week, but because it was like son's birthday and like on his birthday, he got to choose pizza and then he had a party and we had pizza and then we did a pool cleanup uh, for our neighborhood pool. And there was pizza for people who helped with that. And it was like all of that. Right. Um, but then it's like, OK, I've I've been doing a lot of that. Maybe lunch today is going to be a salad with uh, cottage cheese or something. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and it's about awareness and intention um, and then awareness and intention around exercise and finding a weightlifting program that I really liked. And um, I actually in the same spreadsheet, I have multiple tabs and one is body composition. And then um, I have a bunch of different workout tabs that I've gone through in the years since I started this spreadsheet. The current one is just alternating between some power lifts. And I let, I, I aim for two days in the gym doing these power lifts. It's an alternating workout every, um, every day. And uh, I was using a pedometer for a while and just making sure that I, I got in 7,500 steps, which is not, no, no, it was 5,000 was my daily goal. Because mm-hmm. I do spend a lot of time sitting in this chair. Yeah, I'm sure you must. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's but, usually a challenge is, yeah. you know, when you do the kind of work you do, but at the same time to stay fit. And sometimes yeah. you can, you know, make up your mind to eat as healthy as possible, but it's still not easy to stay trim, right? If you're sitting around a lot. Hey, Mindful Tribe, as I talk with Roy about being healthy, I just want to jump in here and ask you, Mindful Tribe, do you have goals that seem out of reach? Maybe you're feeling stuck or discouraged. Here's one of my clients to share what she was experiencing. Hi, I'm Lindsay Rind, and I'm from Ontario, Canada. There were so many things about my life that I didn't feel confident about you know, so many things that happened to me in a short period of time that I was basically confused and didn't know how to proceed. And, you know, I had pain from from working outside every day. And then I went to Bruce and we did some coaching and some hypnosis and things started to fit together, click together. I'm amazed, really, that I could go to somebody and they can work with me for a bit and my life could be so much better. I don't believe that I could have done that by myself. It's surprising that, you know, you can change the way you think. I'm so proud of the progress Lindsay has made as a result of the hypnosis and coaching sessions I did with her. Well, I currently have an opening in my schedule and maybe the timing is right for you to get the help you deserve. Send me an email at Bruce at mindfulnessmode.com with now is the time in the subject line. Let's get you back on track again where you belong. Now, back to Roy Fur. I, I think that so much of it is awareness. Like the pedometer made me aware of my steps. And mm-hmm. so I decided to start taking more walks. You know, um, I, I haven't replaced it, um, you know, since I stopped using it. 
Um, but that's that's an option. And one of the things though that that I you know people hear all of this like I started tracking my 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 weight and I spend two days in the gym and I uh, I do the pedometer and like one of the things that can really happen with that is people get super obsessive about it yeah. and you have to be really careful and that's why I think mindfulness here is so critical as well because when you when you start to measure these things it's really easy for it to become an obsession and sure. it's not healthy for it to become an obsession um, you could be losing a lot of weight and suddenly have an eating disorder and like needed um and so uh for example I, I changed my weight tracker the name of the tab in the spreadsheet from weight tracker to body composition um because like stepping on the scale can be a mechanism by which we reinforce negative emotional patterns around our weight, especially because we live in a culture where weight is such a um, loaded thing, right? Mm -hmm. And what I really, I, I have to ask myself, what do I really care about? And it's not a certain number on the scale. What I ultimately care about is being healthy. And, and sometimes like the total picture of health, right? We we're not just physical beings. We're physical beings. We're emotional beings. We're intellectual beings. We're spiritual beings. The total picture of health, like the emotional health of having pizza at my son's birthday party with him and not feeling bad about that. Right. It's like, like mindfulness serves that and the total health of my being not being attached to a certain number on the scale is 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 critical right yeah so roy i know that you spent a lot of time searching for meaning so yeah. let's talk about that why are you here what is the meaning of life that you've come up with <laughs> I, I don't know um i i don't know and i'm okay with that like there's 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 a big like so there is the, I think the, the initial way that that question is asked is why were we put here, mm -hmm. right? And so when I say, I don't know, it's, it's a reaction to that version of the question. Why were we put here? Um, I don't know. I don't like, I, let's talk about God for a second. Uh, <laughs> um, my, my conception of God is very different than I understand. Like most mythological stories, and I will include um, probably offending plenty of people. I will include every modern religion as a, um, in that category of mythological stories, most mythological stories, even, even the way I tell my, marketing career history as a mythological story, uh, to be fair. <laughs> Most mythological stories um, refer to God as, as one way. And I don't necessarily think of God in that way. I think of God, so like our, our physical being creates this experience of consciousness that is just amazing, right? Like um, you, Bruce, your physical body has this consciousness that's that's riding around inside of it that is the conscious side of the like the 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 subjective side of the objective reality 
right? The, um, I think of God as the subjective side of the objective reality of the entire universe. So I don't even know what that looks like. We we are learning that, for example, plants communicate and have some kind of subjectivity. And there's like crazy, there, there is an awareness inside plants and there's an awareness inside bugs and there's an awareness inside mammals and there's an awareness. And for all I know, there's, you know, split a rock and he is there, right? Um, there could be some kind of awareness that we can't communicate with it, but inside of a rock. Well, what is the awareness of the entire universe, right? Um, and so that's what I think of as God. And I don't think of that as like, why are we here put into this person in this place in some sense, you know, for the purpose of that question, it's just random and lucky. And I like how Warren Buffett talks about like the lottery of birth, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know. Um, but why are we here? Um, uh, decide that today, right? Like I'm here now with you to talk to you about mindfulness and hopefully share some things about mindfulness with your audience, right? Um, I was here, you know, you mentioned my books. I was here writing the copywriter's guide to getting paid because um, it was important to me in that moment to share some lessons about how to have a successful copywriter career, mm -hmm. right? Um, yesterday, I spent four hours with a client and their team um, helping them design the marketing system to reach out to brand new audiences for this um, online training for like teaching people how to learn languages, right? Or teaching, yeah, the training is to to train the the, the trainers who teach people how to learn languages. So hop on Zoom with you, teach you English, right? Right. Um, why was I there at that time? It was to help them with that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and then, and then, um, it, I think initially when we go on this quest, like I, you know, got in the car accident, like I wanted some profound experience of enlightenment or whatever. And we might have peak experiences. Like even when I was talking about the nature of God right there, there was a moment of like shivers through my body. Right. Yeah. Um, but that's not why we're here. It's not to chase those peak experiences. Why we're here is to to live this moment, like to live this day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, has been my. That's where I'm at with that question right now. <laughs> yeah. What has your son taught you about mindfulness? Ah, my son. Well, I have I have two sons and a daughter now. Okay. Um. <laughs> I, I, being in relationship, so being in relationship with my wife, being in relationship with my kids has taught me that I am not an enlightened being <laughs> <laughs> uh, or, or not the, not the, like, I, I actually think that relationships are almost a better training ground for whatever enlightenment and mindfulness ends up being than sitting in meditation. Like sitting in meditation is it's its own thing, right? But being in relationship and being able to recognize like, um, I, okay, so um, yesterday on the way home from, um, the kids are in, my sons are in a fencing class right now, um, mm -hmm. you know, sword fencing. Yep. Um, and leaving fencing, 
they said, okay, we know that the dinner menu says sandwiches because it was a busy night. So we're just supposed to make sandwiches, right? But we have that leftover pizza in the fridge. Can we eat it, right? And I, um, I said, no. And then my oldest son, he, he wants to be a lawyer and he has the um, argumentative dis, uh, disposition to, <laughs> yes. to be successful in it. And I say argument as like a marketer who studied logic and argument as sure. a, so like he is good at coming up with arguments yeah. for things, not, right. not angry, you know, no uh, negotiation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so he starts trying to negotiate for the pizza and, right. um, I'm holding my ground and saying no, but I had a moment where I had to say, like, um, I'm noticing that the more you come back to me on this, the angrier I'm starting to feel, uh -huh. right? Mm -hmm. And so by being in relationship um, and coming back to this so intentionally over and over and over and over and over again, I'm forced to um, recognize when emotions are like welling up in me that without mindfulness would drive my behavior. And I have countless opportunities, like we all have countless opportunities when we are in relationship with people. And I think especially um, kids can be challenging because they are constantly trying to establish their independence in the mm -hmm. world, their their yes. their own beingness, their own selves. They're they're constantly like expanding, um, like pushing up against every boundary that the world gives them. And they start with so many boundaries. And then ideally they're gonna reach a point where, where they're going off into the world and they they decide their boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. And but until then, they're just pushing through them, pushing through them. And um in those in those moments where they're pushing up against boundaries, like it can be really challenging and we can have a lot of emotions and I can be really reactive in those moments, but it doesn't serve any of us for me to be really reactive. Like it doesn't serve any of us for me to let that anger guide my tone in the conversation right. around eating pizza. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask you about the topic of bullying because I've worked in bullying prevention for a long time. Do you have a story of any kind about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference? I had a really interesting thing happen last night and it's super, super relevant. Um, so the fencing, our local fencing club recently moved into the mall. So it's just like mm -hmm. a storefront in the mall that they're fencing yeah. out. And for the first part of it, it's a lot of warm up and exercise and whatever. And I just walk around the mall during that time. I like to come back for when they're actually doing the matches, right? Um, but I walk around the mall and I'm walking in the shoe store and I try to make eye contact with people, try to like, I I don't know, maybe sometimes my faces with eye contact look more neutral, look more negative, look more positive. Um, but I try to make eye contact with people as I'm walking around, usually kind of like acknowledge them like, hey, we're both humans. We're here, right? Walking around in the shoe store and clearly something was going on with this guy. I, I want to say like in his 20s or something. Um, 
maybe late teens, but probably 20s. Well, we pass each other in the aisle and I look at him and like a second later, he's following me and talking to me. Oh, and he's, he's like, why'd you look at me that way? Like suddenly I haven't had anything like this happen in so long. Right. Why'd you look at me that way? I don't know. I just make eye contact with people as I'm walking. Like that's what I said. Something like that to him. Like I like to make eye contact with people. So do you want something with me? You want like, uh, and super instigating, like super instigating a fight. And um, in a situation like that, like it would be very easy. Like uh, suddenly my body is very activated. Like the fight, fight or flight is kicked on. Right. Yeah. Um, and, um, I'm not going to deact, like, I can't deactivate my body in that situation, but I had the awareness to say, this is not going to like, and you know, we're recording this a couple days after another mall shooting, right? Another God. Um, but all of the possibilities are cycling through my mind. Like, is this guy going to attack me? Does he have a weapon? Um, well, all of that. And so mm-hmm. I'm just extracting myself from that situation as fast as possible. But also he is pursuing, he's trying to not let me. And so, um, like, I don't know exactly how mindfulness contributed to that besides just like being able to pay, be, be slightly removed mm-hmm. from the, the experience, right? The emotional experience experience the the all the thoughts all of that and and um acting in a way that was not panicked but that was appropriately activated right um because who who knows what you know um if if i was a little less mindful how i would have handled that um but but eventually i was able to pull away from the situation and um then I was processing it for a while, especially until I saw him walk out of the mall because I'm like hyper aware. Where is this guy at? Like, I'm trying to still just walk my laps around the mall. Yeah. Um, but what I was thinking about is I don't know what was going on with him. I don't know why he was so readily activated by me looking like making eye contact. Right. Um, maybe my face was neutral to negative. Right. Um, or I don't like, I didn't frown at him or anything like that. Right. Um, but that, that ability to extract myself from the situation. And then afterwards, as I was processing it, I was able to say something's going on with him. Right. Yeah, exactly. Something with him. And maybe it had nothing to do with you other than you happened to be at that place in that point in time. Yeah. And, I don't know, like he could have been on edge because he had a pair of shoes from the store in his backpack. He -hmm. could have been on edge because he just got in a fight with a a girlfriend or something. He could have been been on edge because something else was going on today, right? He could have been on edge because he was on drugs. He could have been on edge. Yeah. He probably has a lot of childhood trauma to be picking fights with people in, in the mall. Yeah. Like, like I, 
I feel like I have a lot of childhood trauma with a lowercase T. Um, some people have a lot of trauma with a capital T. Like that's yeah. a that's a way that I process like understanding my experience. I don't feel like I have the trauma with a capital T that a lot of people have. Mm -hmm. Um but I certainly have plenty of my own issues there. Um, but the ability to like say, okay, he's probably hurting a lot. And the best thing that I could do in that situation is probably just extract myself as, as yeah. much as possible. Right. And like, I've had to deal with that with the kids too. Like they deal with situations like I've, I don't want to be too specific about their experiences, but, um, like other peers in competitive sports, other peers in school, mm -hmm. it's like we've talked to them often about those people probably have something going on, some challenges that they're struggling with. And it probably has nothing to do with you. Like they are interacting with you and there's something about the situation that's triggering them. But it like, we all have challenges dealing with thoughts and emotions and feelings yeah. and all of that. And, um, the best thing that we can do is treat them with kindness and care, but also set our own boundaries and like extract yeah. ourselves from situations that, that we need to not be in. Yeah. Right? That's so true. Absolutely. Well put. Yeah. As we move forward in the interview, Roy, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 okay. second answers are perfect. The first one is this, who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life? Um, the first one that came up is Monty Page, who was the professor at UNL, who was a psychology professor, and he had discovered transpersonal psychology on his own. And I feel like maybe he's not the person that I got to my most recent um, understandings based on, but he was this wonderful old guy. He had Parkinson's starting around 2003, 2004, he's passed away since then. Um, but he, he was, he was just this old professor that was, um, very, very happy to have someone excited about the same transpersonal psychology stuff as he was. And I took every class that I could from him and had a great relationship with him through school. Very interesting. Okay, uh, let's talk about emotions and how mindfulness has helped you to deal with your emotions. You've talked about that a bit already, of course, but maybe you can sum it up. Yeah. Um, well, I think you might have a question here about books, um, and, and this might cross over. Tara Brock's RAIN process that she teaches um, to recognize the emotion, to allow the emotion, uh, to interrogate the emotion, meaning understand what it is telling you, right? Mm -hmm. um, and to nurture yourself as you deal with the experience of this emotion um, is so powerful because I've recognized that we're, we'll always have emotions, right? Mm -hmm. But because our emotions are our, our body, and our subconscious mind communicating with us because it, they don't have the language to communicate with us, right? right. Uh, so like the emotions around physical threat last night, right? All of those yeah. emotions, the ability to just recognize, okay, I'm having these, this emotional experience. 
I don't have to get lost in this emotional experience. I am not, but I'm having this emotional experience and like accept that it's there and to listen to it and then to take care of myself based on that. Um, that's been, that's been the biggest thing for me. Um, yeah. And, and since I mentioned books, uh, her radical compassion book, I was dealing with something like a couple of weeks ago and I discovered this radical compassion book and she's written about it other times and I've gone through her other stuff, but this radical compassion book, just listening to it as she walked through people going through that process was really powerful. Okay. Audio yeah. I'll, listening to. Yeah. yeah I'll, I'll put that in our show notes. Radical compassion by Tara Brock. Yes. Uh, yes. That's an incredible book for sure. Uh, my next question is about breathing. Do you have any special breathing techniques or any thoughts on breathing that help you with your mindfulness? Well, one of the things that happens, and this is this is the downside of trying to be aware of your breath, is like one of the things that happens is I find that I get, I don't, I don't know what the actual uh, uh, biology or biomechanics or whatever is going on, but but I feel like when I try to be too conscious of my breath or try to breathe too deeply, especially, I'm getting like too much oxygen. I'm getting mm. after after that breath book uh, by James Nestor. Um, yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm like super saturating myself with oxygen in a way that's not good. Yeah. Um, uh, what, what I like is just very mindful breathing, uh, typically spending a little bit more time breathing out than in, um, kind of trying not to breathe too much air. I, I mean, I've gone through so many of, I've gone through box breathing four, seven, eight. Um, I probably use four, seven, eight more than anything else, which is in for four, hold for seven out for eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Wim Hof method I've done sometimes I'm not like a super advocate for that, um, or super practitioner I'll say, like, I, I think it's a good sure. method. Right. Um, but yeah, just, just the ability to like self-regulate through the breath to recognize in breath is kind of an activating breath. Yeah. Out breath is a relaxing breath. Mm -hmm. And to be able to um, kind of manage your nervous system. So if, if you want more of a relaxation, your out breath should be a little bit longer. If you want more activation, um, focus on uh, the big in breaths. Yeah, for sure. Are there any apps that you recommend that help with mindfulness? With Insight Timer. Um, for me, like the, the, the whole streak thing, my wife laughs at me about this. Um, just the, the desire to keep a streak of, of the mindfulness. Mm -hmm. Um, but the other thing about it is like, so I have, I have music on there. I have like, it's like a 17 or 18 minute track, maybe 19 minute. Um, but there are tons and tons and tons of music tracks. They have a timer. So if you want a timer with just like a, a background noise and chimes, you can set that up however you want it. They have guided meditations. I don't ever use like they have podcasts and they have courses. I don't get into those. Um, but one of the things that I love about Insight Timer is there's been a bunch of research done on not just which ones are most downloaded or which ones generate the most revenue, but which ones get used most consistently. Mm -hmm. And Insight Timer has just insane ongoing usage stats from its users, um, which I think reflects just that they built something that works pretty well yeah they really did yeah i like that app a lot too yeah 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 well 
yeah, this is so interesting to talk to you, Roy. And and your website, like you mentioned before, RoyFur.com, R-O-Y-F-U-R-R dot com. So Mindful Tribe, check out the website. And Roy, as we wrap up the interview, do you have any final words of advice for our listeners? Yeah, it, what, what comes to mind is uh, it's called Practice for a Reason. Um, even like I, some of the people that I follow with weightlifting, they call it weightlifting practice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or, or practicing strength, um, mindfulness practice, right? Um, that it's not about perfection. It's not about seeking out peak states. It's not about becoming an enlightened being. It's not about any of that. It's about practicing so that in those moments where it may not be natural to feel very mindful, like the experience that I had last night, um, to be able to have it be almost an automatic reaction with your mind and your body, that you're just able to be aware of things as they are happening, right? And that starts with to, to be experiencing it not to be caught up in um and and it starts with practice and it starts with being intentionally aware and practicing that intentional awareness and then it becomes it's 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 the connections that form in your brain it's the um it's it's the grooves on the record right it's it becomes the way that you do things and so yeah i mean mindfulness is about practicing mindfulness (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Roy, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate meeting you. Yeah. Thank you, Bruce. It was a pleasure. Um, Yeah. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye now. Bye. Mindful Tribe, you heard from my client, Lindsay, during the episode, and now you're going to hear a little bit more about her experience before and after the coaching that she had with me. The feeling I had before was me being frustrated in my own mind and body and not being able to move forward in direction that I knew that I should be moving forward in. And the after experience is me being more confident and me being able to make decisions, plan my life, do things I want to do. I'm just generally more content and happier. So I mentioned I do have an opening for another client. Maybe that client is you. Maybe you're the person, the time is right. This is a great opportunity to jump on a call and talk about what I can do. You know, we can just discuss it on a free call. So send me an email, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. Put now is the time in the subject line. And I look forward to talking to you. And with that, take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.